so we're reminded in that song that Christ is the very foundation of all of our acts of love. And um, that's so important as we open up this passage in Philippians, in which Paul is going to talk about loving one another and praying about that love to flow and actually overflow in the church in Philippi. And so um, I'd just like to, to read that passage right now, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and we're going to really drill down on these three verses. We're going to focus in on this because I believe that if we adopt this prayer, um, this will be revolutionary for life in community and life in family and, and in all of the various uh, uh, spaces and circles that we find ourselves in. So Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11, and Paul says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Why? For this reason. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, the last day, the day of judgment. You will be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so this is God's word. Um, and, uh, you know, I shared last week that, uh, you know, for about 23 years or so, I uh, served uh, as, as a pastor once in a, a at first in a church in Michigan and then for 21 years in New Mexico. Um, I'm not doing that right now. Uh, right now, I'm working uh, at a job here in the Denver area um, uh, at a place called Abelite. And that is uh, for, and what I do is I plan activities, help plan activities at a day center uh, for intellectually and developmentally disabled individuals. And, you know, I just realized that I left, I think I left my clicker um, right there in the front. And is that, is that? Okay, well, th thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I have this job at the day center, and we help disabled individuals and just give activities. And so Slime Day <laughs> was coming up at the day center, and my uh, coworkers could tell I didn't know a whole lot about making slime, and so they were suggesting, well, you just go on... Uh, on the web, go to Amazon, and you'll find books about it, and find things on YouTube, and so I went, and you know, there's a book, sure enough, How to Make Slime, and uh, after finding it, I was like, well, I wonder um, how many How to Make titles there are, here it is, I'm sorry, Chris, <laughs> so, um, and I've discovered that there are like dozens of these kinds of books in 
you know, Amazon. These how to make books, how to make a few million dollars, how to make anyone fall in love with you, how to become the most interesting man in the room. All these books are, you know, appealing to our desires for money and for sex and for power. Um, other titles are really, really practical. Um, how to make great coffee at home, how to make maple syrup, lip balm, how to make candles, how to make soap and even how to make quality biodiesel at home. Uh, that seems pretty intimidating to me. Don't worry, Kindis. I do not ever plan on trying to do that. Uh, but uh, the next thing, I, next book I saw, maybe, uh, and that was how to make a peanut butter sandwich in 17 easy steps. And I thought, okay, that seems fun. Um, now, if Paul was turning these three verses here into um, a how to make book, I think he would give it the title, How to Make a Glorious Church. How to Make a Glorious Church. Because that's the ultimate purpose of Paul's pray prayer. That's what he talks about there at the end of verse 11. The prayer itself is really simple. Paul is just saying, I want love to overflow in Philippi. He would say, I want love to overflow in Connections Church. He's basically saying, I know love already flows. Great. I know it already flows. I want it to overflow. Now, why does he want that? What's the reasons? And, and I want to actually start with this, the reasons. Verse 10, so that for this reason that... You'll be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. And so it's those two, those two, um, if we can advance that. Um, okay. Sorry about this. Okay, here we go. Now that should work. Um, those two reasons in verse 10, that you'll be able to discern what is best, and one, one person talks about that being making the best choice possible. This is why we're praying that love would abound, that we would make the best choices possible, and that we will become the best people possible. Now, most Bible teachers believe that this verse also points ahead to Paul's appeal to Iodia and Syntyche. Syntyche. Uh, these are two ladies that he talks about in chapter 4 of Philippians. He is already alerting the Philippians. I'm hoping that Iodia and Syntyche will put aside their disagreements, their bruised egos, and they'll link arms as key leaders in the church. Paul treasures these two women as key leaders in the church of Philippi, as frontline workers. He says, your names are written in the book of life. I value you. I prize you. But they're disagreeing. And they're disagreeing about secondary matters of importance. So they have some importance but not ultimate importance. And he says, your disagreements are hurting the church. I want you to reconcile. 
I want you to choose that as the best course of action. The most conducive for your own character growth in Christ, the best course of action that will lead for peace in the church, and bring glory to God. Now, of course, every Christian equals really righteous, fruitful Christians. And when you have that in a community, that has the makings of a glorious church. See how that all flows then? And, and, you know, Jesus says the very same thing in the Gospel of John, several different places. He says that when we love one another, we show ourselves to be his followers. And then he says this in chapter 15, this is to my Father's glory. Showing yourself to be my followers. So when love overflows the church, then glory shines and goes out to God. So this morning, I, I feel called to lead us to reflect on our choices today. And then to reflect on our character. So first, if God wants his people to make the best choices possible, we should consider the choices we're making right now. And again, maybe some of the choices we're making right now are fine. They, they might be good. Paul is saying, are they wise? And he's saying, turn to leadership. So let's think about some of our choices. How are you using your time? How much time do you give to your spouse, to your children, to your family? Uh, your extended family, that maybe you've heard the story of the, the frazzled mom, young mom who's cleaning up after a spill, and she's groaning, uh, where is your father? And, and then her three-year-old enters the room and asks her, mom, how do you spell love? And she goes, T-I-M-E, that's how I spell love. consider everything in life rubbish compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's what I value most. What value are you placing on knowing Christ Jesus? Does it have like small value, medium value, significant value, or like all surpassing? What is your plan for Bible study, for journaling, for, for, for prayer? How are you honoring Christ's lordship in your family, at work, in your entertainment choices? Are you reading, reading any you know, good Christian books today? Listening to any uh, Christian podcast? Involved in any Bible studies? Like we heard Heather was sharing about some Bible studies that she's involved in. How about money? You know, some people 
They're, they're like, I, I give my little bit, and then I say to God, hands off. And then there's, you know, there's others who, who say, I'm really a steward of God's money. That, that, that my 10% that I give, that's just a token that really all my money is, is God's in the first place. And, and, and they, they say, put my money, as if I put your money, to your will. Help me to glorify you, to, to do your best for you. Let's think about church. Are you making time for your church fellowship or small group or some service within the church? Are, are you discovering and using your gifts? Is there a particular group of hurting people that you feel a special burden or compassion for? Maybe single moms, maybe the disabled, maybe children of prisoners. Sometimes a burden for a particular group of people who suffer, that is a, a sign that God's revealing to you a particular ministry he has prepared for you to do. How do you view conflict in family and church? Do you take a, I'm going to win at all costs approach? Do, do you view your ego as the most important ingredient in the conflict or I've got to be the one who's right. Or do you uh, avoid conflicts? Do you pretend nothing is wrong, nothing is, and you, you just kind of paper over it? Um, do, do you resent anyone who tries to correct you? Do you feel a giddy sense of joy uh, when you get to correct others? Paul wants us to make the best choices possible because that ministry is a glorious privilege. Secondly, Paul prays that... Love would abound so that we will become the best people on earth. Pure and blameless people who are filled with the fruit of righteousness on the day of Christ Jesus. On that last day that Christ, uh, when he's, he's going to judge our work, our character development, and, and, and he's going to say, there's purity there, there's fruit there. And so, Paul says, let's ask some questions. What? Are we doing with this one and only life that, that he's given us? Are, are we growing in Christ? Love aims to create a pure people because such people bear spiritually healthy fruit. In Thessalonians 4, verse 7, Paul says, God did not call us to be impure, but to lead and live a holy life. And in that context, he talks about how lust makes people small, and our pleasure's big, and, and he says that that's a recipe for disregarding others and abusing others. Christian love, when the Holy Spirit of Christ is living inside of us, it, it, and we're submissive to that, that makes people the right size. We see them as image bearers of God. And it gives us Christ's eyes for people. We begin to see Christ in the so-called small people, those people that Jesus calls the least of these my brothers. We begin to really see them, and we hurt for them. And, and as a result, we say, I, they don't have clothing, and I need to feed them, uh, and I need to clothe them. They, they don't have food, and I need to feed them. They, they, they're, they're lonely, and I need to visit them. James 1, 27, religion that our God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress 
and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Those two things are really often connected. As we get rid of worldly pollutants, we become people who see hurt and distress for what it is. And we begin to respond to heavenly promptings to help those who are, are, are hurting. You know, that happened with St. Francis. You remember St. Francis, uh, considered by many as you know, one of the best, best of Christians, his son. And in his early life, Francis wasn't that way. He was actually kind of a greedy guy, a pleasure seeker. And, and he, he said, I absolutely hated lepers. And then he became a Christian, and he fell captive to the beauty of Jesus Christ. And one day Christ told him, I want you to kiss the lepers on the cheek. He's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And, but he did. And, and as he, he testifies that as he kissed that leper, he felt the love of Christ for that leper just overflow through his, his heart. And, and, and then he became fiercely devoted to caring for lepers in Jesus' name. And, and he shone as this bright Christian, overflowing love will have that effect in us as well. So those are the two reasons to pray this prayer that love will overflow in us. Now let's look at that prayer itself. That's the first one. And just to set this up, you, you might say, okay, well, um, why should I do what Paul is doing here? Well, Philippians 3, verse 17 says that uh, Paul says this, join together in following my example. That's the very word of God. So Paul, his prayer life is part of his example, and God wants us to be able to, to pray like that. And so in verse 9, Paul prays, that our love would abound in two things. That our love would abound in knowledge and that our love would abound in depth of insight. First of all, we're going to pray that our love would abound in knowledge. Um, and our world has their own vision of what love is. Some believe that, that love means I will never be contradicted. I will never have my will crossed. No one will ever, you know, um, correct me. I read recently about the popularity of AI, artificial intelligence, girlfriends, okay? And there's a whole slew of apps now that you can get. That they go by these kinds of names. Dream Girl Builder, Intimate, Replica. And there's this journal, journalist, Freya India, who writes about Eva AI. Okay, so this is Eva AI here. here. And, and, and she writes, Eva AI not only lets you choose the perfect face and body, but also customize the perfect personality, offering options like hot, funny, bold, or shy, modest, considerate, or smart, strict, rational. And, and, and that they, they promote it this way. They say, create a girlfriend who is judgment-free who lets you hang out with your buddies without any drama, who laughs at all your jokes. Control it all the way you want to, promises Eva AI. Design a girl who is always on your side, says Replica. 
Here's a question. Is that perfect love? A girlfriend who's always on your side, who never disagrees with you, who never crosses your lips, is that is that perfect love? <laughs> That's right. Someone gave the right answer. Uh, no. Now, you might say, at first you might be like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But no is the right answer. And why? We sin. We sin. I need friends who are for me enough to disagree with me, to cross my will. verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Sometimes that sharpening bruises our egos, it scrapes at, at, at our flaws, but that's good. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, wounds from a friend heal fast, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Okay, an enemy's the one who never ever says anything contradictory. Who, who laughs at all your jokes. In marriage, we don't simply need encouragement. We don't simply need, you might say, velvet. We also need friends. And may God bless you with that. But also know how to love abounding grace. The knowledge of God fills your heart. I've asked The effect of that is it can stir up our guilt, okay? We, we can feel like, oh, man, I feel like I'm falling short in a lot of areas. I, that's not the point. The, the old saying is true that God is easy to please but hard to satisfy. Okay? He, he's easy to please. It, it, he, Paul said that in the sermon we looked at last week. God just is so pleased with his church. But he's hard to satisfy. He isn't just saying, okay, you've got a good level of love, you've got a three level of love, we can coast on into heaven with that. No, it's, it's like, all right, good. And, and he will be pleased as we learn to make better choices. He does not desire that we do everything Possible, every possible Christian service in the upcoming week. It's not as if he's saying to any one of us here, okay, you've got to serve the poor, you've got to visit the widows, you've got to kiss the lepers, you've got to tutor illiterate children in Appalachia, and you've got to convert China. Get started. It's all got to happen before next Sunday. No. But he is, by his spirit, saying to each and every one of us, look at the choices you have in your current life, and ask yourself, is the, are there choices that I can make that are better for me? And, and it might be the case that in some, for some, you might say no to some things that you're, service that you're doing right now, because it's not part of that best that he has for you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, God has prepared a particular course or path of love for each of us to walk in. And so, like, we have to pray for one another. 
We have to talk to one another. And, and then when we get a sense that this is the path he's given, we've got to press on and take hold of it. That's, in fact, what Paul does. He, he says in Philippians 3.10, I press on to take hold of, of this particular course of service that God has given to me as a, an apostle uh, for which Christ took hold of me on the Damascus Road. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. We should too. So this week, I want to encourage you to have a special time of prayer. And, and, and this special time of prayer, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, begin your prayer this way. Just pray, hey Lord, I thank you for taking hold of me, that I belong to your forever family, that I'm a Christian. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit to guide me. What service have you taken hold of me today? What are the works of service that you have prepared in advance for me to walk in? In, in a big way or for my whole life, but also just for this next week. Please direct my course of life. And he will do it. So the final thing is praying that love will abound in depth of insight. Um, when uh, Paul prays that love will abound in knowledge, you might say knowledge, depth of insight, that seems like related. Well, they are related concepts, but the, the Bible teachers tell us that love abounding in knowledge is, refers to things like knowledge of God's heart, knowledge of Jesus, uh, knowledge of God's ways, knowledge of the kingdom, uh, getting a, a sense of knowledge of knowing what true love is versus what sham love is, things like that. Whereas praying that love will uh, develop in depth of insight, that's all about insight into people. What makes people tick? What is their personality profile? Uh, and, and, and you learn those things so you can love them better. What do they really enjoy? What do they really hate? Pastor John Oldberg, he talks about Monette, Monette, a character from a play called Always a Bridesmaid. And in this play, Monette complains to her friend, my husband is so fast. Food, food, food. Always talking about food. He's more interested in food than he is in me. Last week I said to him, I bet you don't even know what my favorite flower is, do you? Sure I do. It's Pillsbury self-rising, right? <laughs> so the idea here is try to identify the love that appeals to each person in your circle, each person in your family, in your small group, your closest circle. And, and you see the five love languages, a very popular concept. I think it's a good one. Um, is it is the love that appeals to people in your circle? Is it quality time? Is it wor words of affirmation? Is it touch? Is it acts of service? Is it is it gift giving? How do they hear I love you best? And, and, and once you've identified that particular love language, then practice it. Even if you're awkward at first, the Bible says that. That, that love is the greatest thing worth doing. So even if you say, you know, I know my loved one, uh, her, her love language is gift giving, but I feel weird and awkward about gift giving. 
guess what? Give gifts in life, even if you feel awkward. Adopt the G.K. Chesterton philosophy. He once said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly or awkwardly, okay? Think of those things. Love makes a glorious family. Love makes a glorious church. It's worth doing. One final word about insightful ministry. And that goes back to something we talked about a few times in the message here, and that is just being open to questions, but also being willing to risk giving sign of a growing Christian is that they're open to receive and to give from the church. And, and I know that can be a very delicate business. W when Paul confronts a Yehudia in sympathy in, in, in chapter 4, he uses very soft words in that passage. He says, I plead with you. He, he doesn't say, I order you. He says, I plead with you. He, he reminds them, deep respect for both of you. You are co-workers in the gospel. You're wonderful Christian leaders. You're heirs of heaven. You're, your names are written in the book of life. And, and you know, some, someone called this like Paul's Mary Poppin approach uh, to, 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 to giving uh, correction. And Mary Poppin, that, that, that uh, he's referring to that song, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And the medicine, the correction, can be tough at times. But if we couch it in, I love you, I'm for you, that can help. And sometimes we do need to venture that word of correction. And, and if we do, we should uh, have a humble, gracious, kind for you spirit. receive correction, right? We talked about that before uh, as well. Um, we cannot live in an illusion of self-denial that I'm just I'm just perfect and no one should ever speak a correcting word to me. That's an illusion. Even for us as Christians. You know, God has really blessed me um, that both my late wife, Lisa, who passed away a couple years ago, and my present wife, Cindis, um, both of them are willing to speak words of correction to me. I, I consider that a great blessing. Sometimes in the moment it can be hard, but it is a blessing. I remember years ago, um, this is a story about my late wife, Lisa. I remember years ago grumping about my kids to my late wife, Lisa, and I was like, I cannot believe how much money we are spending on kids. These kids go through sugar at such a fast rate. We are always buying sugar. I just don't understand this. And I, it, it, it was so you know, bugging me. And, and Lisa said, Rob, okay, it's not the kids. I'm like, well, who is it? It's you. Me? You put two scoops of sugar in every cup of coffee, and you have lots of coffee, and that's the reason why our sugar supply is, go, is, is going low. And 
No, impossible, Lisa. It cannot be that. I'm putting that to the test. Lent is coming up. I'm going to give up sugar for Lent, and you will see that I'm not the one to blame. And she sort of smiled at me cunningly and said, okay, well, that's a good idea. Let's do it. She was right. I was to blame. Sugar was, to their uses, one of my blind spots. We all have blind spots. And, and when we pray that our love will grow in depth of insight, that also means it will strengthen our blind spots. And we're not going to be able to see them unless we have truth to them from the Word of God. We need that courage in all of us to become a truth walker. And those who do so will will impact their churches, will impact their families, 